All right, I'm so excited for this week's podcast. We have Dr. Jenna Lagana, who is in LA, California. Jenna is one of those people who came into my world after she was successful, which is uh, selfishly the best time I like to take someone on. When someone comes on as a new grad or a new business owner, a lot of it we call it as blocking and tackling. I need to encourage you to go and do more, 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 more. Jenna opened her practice during COVID and she did house calls and she did whatever it took to get the business off the ground. And by the time she arrived in our world, she was already making money, which she'll talk about here, which was great. For her, it was about how do I take it to the next level? And a lot of that was that old classic, how do we work smarter, not harder? Because I think what Jenna saw was, and you'll hear it in the podcast, how much lifestyle was important to her and making money. And I think for all of the rehab chiros, we get caught in one or the other. We either want to live a beautiful lifestyle or we think we have to make money. But the reality of business is the things that create a long-term sustainable business also allow you to make way more money. So by the time Jenna got to us, she was making money, but we had to help transition her from being you know, in-home visits to an office space. And then we had to start talking about how to scale the business up by hiring employees and building systems and putting prices in the right place. And the thing with Jenna that I always joke with her about is she really needs to be probed with her questioning because she's one of those people where if you ask her how she did it, she just kind of shrugs and she says, oh, I just did this. And it almost, she makes it sound easy. Um, I believe we talked about it in the podcast or after, I don't even remember, but uh, Jen is one of those people where you almost need to like get around her to see what she does. So there's a secret sauce that I think she has hard ex- hard time explaining, but her patients love her. People are drawn to her and she's, she's had, I don't want to say an easy time because it's discrediting her, but she's done so well so quickly when so many people struggle in the exact same situation. Whenever I hear people like Jenna, and I learn from these people too, I'm listening to not only how they say it, but I'm listening to try to get insight into how they think about it as well, because there's a unique genius. And she certainly has this unique genius. And not only that, her fiance, Natasia, is an acupuncturist who we joke about has the longest wait list I've ever seen. So she's obviously unbelievable as well. And they're a power couple to the nth degree. We talk about their next steps. They're in the middle of doing a build out for a nice, beautiful space and have some other thoughts and ideas of what they're going to do to build their business and their life. Not only that, Jenna will be in the process very, very soon of hiring a rehab Cairo. So if you are out there from California, living in California from that area, which obviously there should be because there's a chiropractic school out there, you will want to get in contact with Jenna. Even if you're in the middle of school, even if you don't think you're ready yet, even if a thousand reasons, let me tell you, let me coach you for a second. Let me be your coach. Make contact now because you never know. You never know. You might have two years left. You might have a year left. You might have 18 months left. At a minimum, you want to start the relationship. There are people, one of them on our team now, Kaylee. uh, The first time I met her was when I did a talk with the um, FTCA at Northwestern. And I had never met her before. And and lo and behold, she needed an internship. She ends up in New Jersey. And now she's with our team and just doing unbelievable. So you're going to hear Jenna speak. You will be impressed. She is impressive. She's about as good as we've got. She's best I have to offer. She makes me look really, really good. And you will hear her story. So I can't wait for you to hear this episode. And hey, um, I'm going to say this today and I don't even know the details of it, but just heads up, heads up, heads up. 
Rehab Cairo Biz the Book is being launched very, very, very soon. And I want to start building the hype now. I'm so proud of it. It's been years in the making. You know, the first sort of real book that I've done, it's, uh, it's a process. It's a labor of love. And as they say about writing, uh, you hate writing, but you love having written. And this will be absolutely that. So I want to tease that here to give all of you a heads up. Cairo Biz 101, the book, is coming out very, very shortly. Before we do anything else, I appreciate each and every one of you for listening to the podcast, for liking, sharing with your friends. If you want to do me a favor, we don't, you don't run any ads on the podcast right now. Uh, the main thing is, can you share this episode with a friend who you think would enjoy it? What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Business School for the Rehab Chiropractor. Class is officially in session. My name is Justin Rabinowitz, and I am a rehab chiropractor on a mission to teach you, a fellow rehab chiropractor, the exact tools and systems I've used to build my own successful rehab chiropractic practice so you can do the same. I hope you enjoy, and please subscribe. Jenna, tell us your biggest mindset shift since joining Chiropractic 101 and then subsequently Mastermind. Yeah, the biggest mindset shift would be the perception of what busyness is. So prior to joining a full schedule for me, I was like, awesome, we're killing it. Everyone at that point was paying appointment to appointment. So of course, if I wasn't seeing someone for that hour, technically I wasn't making money in my brain. Mm -hmm. After Cairo Biz and Mastermind, I love having afternoons open and going to gyms and talking to people and meeting people. And Although, I mean, my schedule is full, but I'm working way less hours, making more money and feeling really good in my off time knowing like, it's okay that I'm not seeing someone right now. Like everything Mm -hmm. is working as it should be. I love that. And so let's go into the details. So introduce yourself. When did you graduate and where is your practice? Yeah. So my name is Jenna Lagana, if that hasn't been stated yet. I graduated in December of 2021 from SCU. So been in Southern California my whole life. Opened up my practice as soon as I could. So February of 2022. And I'm practicing right now on the border of West Hollywood and Hollywood. Got it. So let's go into this because you opened, you know, you were still sort of in the throes of COVID and I believe you were doing home visits, but I guess walk the audience through your genesis of getting the practice off the ground. What did that look like? Yeah. So right away, I mean, I worked right after graduating before I was licensed under a a PPR doctor doing, Uh I was at the straight Cairo at that point. Um, I was there really to learn business skills, not to practice like that Uh and took off from him as soon as I was licensed and did about six months of house calls. So at that point, it's the, for me, it was the best option to not have any overhead and be able to build a nice steady network. Um, It grew quicker than I thought it would. Looking back at my numbers, I laughed though, because I was like, how the hell did I live making (laughs) I was making those first few months? But by six months of doing house calls, my schedule was full in the sense that I couldn't see anyone else just because of managing a driving schedule on top of a treating schedule. Um, So at that point, that's actually when I first contacted you I was like, hey, man, I have this opportunity to rent uh, just open gym space. This is the cost. I'm like, I don't know if it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And you very, you know, you put it in simple terms of this is the most you would lose. Can you afford to do that? I was like, 
yeah, I could do that. So I made the transition knowing I would lose my house call people for the most part. I think I kept maybe two of them who transitioned to coming to the gym space, but it was pretty cool. I was consistent with Instagram at that time and had built a pretty decent following. And it ended up being a number of people who wanted to see me, but didn't want a house call. So when I posted and announced, Hey, this is where I'm going to be now. I had, I think immediately 15 to 20 people reach out. Or like, yeah, yeah, it was, I was shocked to be honest. Um, And so I was like, well, that was a great decision. (laughs) So you, I I don't, I mean, I feel like we might've talked about that, but I don't even remember, but it's an interesting, interesting lesson because, you know, most people think, oh, I'm going to lose the house call people because I'm changing my business model. But what you just talked about was I didn't even realize the business that I was losing by not having an office. Mm -hmm. So I was, that's, I mean, that's a fascinating point to, to consider, uh, not just in house call, but it's always like the opportunity cost, which we talk about the opportunity mm-hmm. cost of not making the decision. And that seems like a crazy example of, of people that wanted to be your patient and needed a reason too. Right, right. And I thought about it too. Even when I was just doing house calls, I was like, I hate when I have to get a massage at my own house or something because I'm worried about the dog and I need to straighten up. And it is, a little stressful, even though it is more convenient. Mm-hmm. So I fully, I mean, I was surprised, but I was like, yeah, I get it. I wouldn't want me to come to my house either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, but even during that time, and I think that's one of the true signs of like an entrepreneur. And, and you know, when I sort of met you and heard your story, it's funny because whenever I talk to you, you're like, how'd you do this? And you're like, I don't know. I just sort of did it. But then you start like <laughs> hearing the, the back end of it, things like you're talking about. And you sort of have that mindset of, you know, you were in California, in LA during COVID. I mean, it was probably the hardest place to do business in the world. And what did we need to do to adapt? We needed to do house calls because that took out one layer of fear or whatever that some people had. They didn't want to go in public. They didn't want to be around a lot of people. And you mm-hmm. did it, yeah, for overhead purposes, but there was also during that period of time, um, it was a decision, consciously or not, that probably got your business off the ground significantly quicker than it would have. And, and I don't think, hopefully, we don't have to deal with that again, but I think the lesson for everyone listening is that when you become a business owner and entrepreneur, you have to see the world differently and shape it differently. And there might you might have to make decisions in the moment that only last for six or seven months to get to the next thing. And so mm-hmm. um, you're, you were in a position, I guess, and you've heard me say this a thousand times, the house call thing was, that's the thing that got you here. And if you stay there, it would have gotten you stuck. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was also a crazy person. I grew up about an hour and a half from LA, somewhere called Corona. And my parents are still there. A lot of my friends growing up, their families are still there. And so when I was getting this business off the ground, you bet your ass twice a week, I was driving and stacking up 10 hour days of whoever would let me come see them. Like I'm, I'm coming to see you. We're coming back next Monday. Um, and that actually went on the entire six months I was doing house calls. I reserved Mondays to go down to Corona and beyond even into like Canyon Lake, which is also very far mm-hmm. just because that's, I was going where people were saying yes. And yeah. that's, what I had to do to know I could pay my bills and keep growing. Yeah. And, and I think the decisions that you make again, um, it doesn't mean you always have to do those in the beginning of business. We always say yes to basically anything, but Mm -hmm. where we get stuck is when we continue to do that. And so even in your journey, which in the scheme of things has been very, very short, very successful, you've been very strategic in, I do this to get here. 
but I can't always stay there. And at almost at every step, as you talk through the journey, you realize like, good for this period of time, looking back, I can't believe I did that. I can't stay there. And, uh, and I think that, I don't know, do you consciously think about those things of like, this was great here and I'm, I'm good to move on now? Or is it challenging to kind of take a different step? No, absolutely. I, as soon as I could fully stop doing house calls, I stopped doing them. It, for me, it was, t- I mean, it's one of those things you grab your backpack to go and you're like, do I have everything I need for this trip? And it just doesn't feel good to operate from a space like that. Mm-hmm. So I recognized that really quickly. My energy, because I did a little, um, I had a transition time where I was still doing house calls while I was in the building up the gym practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was working you know, six or seven days a week. And at that point, I realized I feel so much better when I'm in this one spot treating people back to back versus traveling around. And I said, you know, that's not great for my patients who I'm doing house calls for. And I know I'm not giving them 100%. And so it was easy for me to to fully pull back out of it. And to this point, I mean, there are, I mean, it's LA, right? So there's celebrities and I happily say no to mm-hmm. house calls with them because it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Um, so you came to me and you're actually more of the ideal person for the program in that we get a lot of people that are startups, but startups, we give them good advice to start. Like I'm talking to Angie and she was a startup, which is great. And she's had amazing success. You're actually, we are more in line with working with someone like you who already had the business off the ground. We want to come in and, and do a facelift, so to speak, not a, a rebuild, not a build from the ground. And so you already mm-hmm. were making money and doing well. Um, and then when you came into the program, obviously, and if you want to share numbers or percentage increases, why don't you talk about some of the changes that happened? Because again, you weren't a startup. You were already established. Some of the big changes that were made when you took Kyrobiz 101 and Mastermind that have taken your business from where it was to where it is today. Yeah. So, you know, I'm really happy with the, the path that I took in terms of starting with the house calls and then transitioning because I was charging in my opinion, an appropriate rate off the bat. So I think my, my initial was 350 and my follow-ups were 250 and sure we're in LA. So of course that number could be higher, but as a brand new grad, I felt good with that number and it was easy for me to say it. And so fast forward to being in practice, my prices have gone up since we started working together, but I think I came in higher than where other people were at. And so I was also already doing plans of care. They were just way shorter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was actually stalking your podcast for so long when I was building up this practice. And legitimately, every guest speaker you had, I'd go on their Instagram and see what they were doing and just mimic it because I knew you were probably teaching it in some way. R&D, rip and duplicate, right? That's right. So the biggest change was increasing prices increasing plan of care length. And then once I got to a certain point, really had to fine tune my my selling ability because people will say yes to a couple hundred bucks, mm-hmm. but can we sell, you know, 12 to 15 mm-hmm. visits at double that rate? Um, Percentage wise, my first year out of school, I did break 100K, which was a goal of mine. Mm-hmm. Year two, we've grown more than... 130% since year one. So Great. yeah. And, and stress levels, very different. You know, I'm not, I'm working hard, but 
I'm seeing people four days a week at this point and have plenty of time to come home, make dinner, be with my family, be with my friends and enjoy a three-day weekend. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. And and you probably heard me say this and I know you talk about it a lot and it's important to you, which I love is that uh, the business should be a conduit to the life that you want. And the problem that most of us have is that, you know, 30 years later, we look back and it's like, whoa, what the hell just happened? And so mm-hmm. the fact that I, I think you're very sort of clear and strong, you're very clear on what you want the outcome to be. And I, I always look at you as someone who uh, my job is just to help you figure out the pieces in order to get there and what the business needs to look like. But versus a lot of people, you actually, I think, have clarity on what you want life to look like in that. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why you've been so successful is because there isn't a lot of negotiation because you know where you want to get to. And so you just sort of make make the next decision and, and your numbers sh- uh, really show that. Um, let, me, let me ask you, because you mentioned, you're right, I got out of school, 350, 250, LA, inflated prices, but not really because um, other people in your same situation don't charge that. When I look at that and when I hear you say that, there has to be some version of internal self-belief or confidence that you possess that most don't. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I think looking back and looking at where some of my friends are now too, I left school with a very, very, very high confidence level in my clinical skills. And part of that was luck and part of that was preparation in that I chose to be in our sports medicine department at our school under who I think is the greatest clinician that we have here, Dr. Fanning. Um, additionally, I, my first, I actually asked him because the PPR, the clinical rotation experience was such a joke. Mm-hmm. Every practice I went to, it was like, they just wanted free labor and you weren't really allowed to see patients. You're just helping clean and do notes for someone you've never even met. Mm-hmm. Um, so I asked him like, dude, I cannot do three years of, or one year of this. Can, who do you recommend? And I was very, very lucky to be in a PPR situation where I was with a husband and wife who were both sports-based pyros. Um, they gave me my own room, gave me my own computer. And they were like, you got it. Like, you know what you're doing. We're here to help you. We're here if you ever get stuck. But I was given a lot of freedom early on to really figure out like, what is my flow? How do I treat? How do I sell? Um, And just had a lot of independence where a lot of people were still being held back to that standard of like, you're just here to do notes and you can maybe watch every now and then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for me coming out, it, I wasn't concerned of if I could help a patient. I knew I could. It was just, where do I find these people and how do I get more of them? Uh, so answer that question. How did you do that for people that are listening that do want to start? And again, it doesn't matter if it's house calls or otherwise the marketing is marketing. So how did you, how did you answer the question of where these people are and how do I find them? And how do I, how, so they, I, get, how do they pay me money? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. House call wise was tough because I think it's a hard thing to market going out and meeting people and then being like, and I can only treat you in your own home. It felt really strange to me to meet people that way. So building the home visit network was all word of mouth referrals. So also safety wise. um, Did you proactively ask, hey, do you know anyone else? Or you just did a good job and they proactively said, hey, my friend also needs you. I did not proactively ask. It was just 
people sharing my information. What and do you then, think? Let me, let me, I want to cut you off because I, mm-hmm. again, you're one of these people that, um, you're one of these people that, again, if I don't probe, it's going to be like, yeah, it was no problem. Da, da, da. There's something about you, and I, I want you to be self-reflective now. There's obviously something about you that people are drawn to, your patients are drawn to, they want to refer people because you've had so much success. And there are a lot of people out there that like, they could be successful, but they need, to, they need some of the magic sauce of Jenna. Um, mm-hmm. what, what do you think? You got to, like, being reflective, what do you think it is that, that people are drawn to you, that they are willing to pay money, they are willing to refer if you had to analyze it get, and put it into words, what do you think that is? Natasia and I, so Natasia is my fiance, who's a very successful acupuncturist out here. And we talk about this often. Um, or in the beginning we did. And one of the biggest things that we came up with was our main core value, which is we treat from the heart. And I think as silly as that sounds, every patient, every person I meet, what I'm suggesting and what I'm doing for them is what I would want someone to do for myself or for a family member. And so I really am naturally overly empathetic with people. So I feel like I really connect early on with them and understand. It's kind of follows our objection flow sheet, but just inherently that's something that's easy for me to pick apart and be like, okay, I know what's going to drive this person or I know where this person may get stuck. So I think just the ability to connect with them on a personal level, regardless of what they're experiencing symptom wise, it doesn't matter. I know if I can get through to them as a person, we're going to get better. We just need, we just need time for that. Gotcha. I love that. answer your question? (laughs) I I mean, Yes. And that, and now kind of almost invokes more curiosity because like, again, I, I, I just think about people listening to this and the most part people listening to this podcast, they all care. Like, well, generally cutting in this profession, most don't do it. If they wanted to just make money, they go to wall street. Like if they wanted to do it for other accolades, they would become a surgeon. Like they're doing this because they genuinely like, and they care about people. And so I feel like most people, um, would, would say, yeah, I, I do the same thing and I treat from the heart, but I feel like there's also more there again that I'd just be interested in a fly on the wall of what that actually means. Like, and I, and I just think about you're going to hire Cairo at some point, and again, it's going to be if you can articulate what it is, uh, then they're they're going to be able to because as a leader, you don't have to like tell them what to do; you, they'll watch you. But if you can say, "Here's how I think about," it. I'll actually give you an example. I don't, I'm I'm getting to the point here. So you know Lauren, who works with us, right? So mm-hmm. Lauren is like the friendliest, like nicest human that I, I know, right? That's just who she is. I'm not that person. And so when when we sit down and we talk about like, how do you do greet a patient or be like loving and caring? Like, she's like, I don't know, I just do it. I'm like, no, 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 like, what do you do? And she's like, well, when they walk in, I stand up and I physically walk around the desk and I sit next to them and I ask them about their kids and I do, I'm like, okay, now we're getting this somewhere because someone mm-hmm. else might be friendly and treat from the heart, but they would, they're, they're, they sit at the front desk. So they would sit here and say, hi, how are you? Nice to see you, but it's not the same. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, let me push you a little bit. Does that, does that, is there anything <laughs> more that you can give me? I'm sure. Give me one second okay. to think about this because I do think about this often of hiring someone I think we've talked about this in the past too, of like star quality in somebody and like Mm -hmm. some people naturally are going to be better than others. Um, Doesn't mean it's not teachable, but I've 
I don't know. I think Sam, I've heard you talk about this before too. You were always a captain on your teams or you were always put in leadership roles. And I was the same way growing up. Um, I wasn't the best on the field, but for whatever reason, people felt comfortable with me, confided in me and like, let me beat them. Mm-hmm. So I, <laughs> this is going to require more self-reflection <laughs> from me to figure out exactly how it's this good. has worked. It's a good exercise, right? <laughs> I think you're onto it. I think you're onto mm-hmm. it. It's probably in that somewhere. Um, I think that I'll, just to share, and now that I do what I do for a living, I know because my staff tells me um, one of the questions that like you guys ask them, it's like, like, what's Justin really like behind the scenes? And the answer mm-hmm. that they give is like, he's the same fucking guy that's up there. It's the same one. He doesn't rant and yeah. rave as much, but he's like, there's no, there's no difference. And it's funny. And, and for me, it's like, if I reflect on my journey, um, even if you watch like the vlog, they did one with my wife and she has no interest in talking and she's not going to defend me, whatever. They, what's different between Justin now? And then she's like, nothing. He's the same guy. Like, and yeah. so I know for me that one of the reasons why my team and people, because almost everyone's looking for a reason to call someone out, but, oh, is that guy different? It's like, no, he's the same guy. Like, yeah, and he's probably more reserved than he is on stage, but they know it's like, they're not getting two different people. It's not a front. It's not an act. And so that yeah. I know is what people, what people are drawn to me because it's like, when you think about celebrities or whatever, what's the best compliment you give a celebrity? It's like, he's actually normal, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, not a, I'm, not, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not a Kardashian. But like at the end of the day, people that have it, it's like, what are they actually like when, when the cameras aren't on, so to speak? And so there's a level mm-hmm. of authenticity um, that, that for me, I know is there. And then again, I'm sure for you, for you as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think goes back to just the ability to connect with somebody beyond just, I am your provider and this is what we're doing. I mean, Natasha and I, we get invited to our patient's wedding, to birthday parties, like to dinner. Oh, we want to go out. Like, let's go bowling. Mm. Like, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. Cool. No, I mean, I think it's great. And, and, and I love to, I love to see that. Um, so I want to switch gears. You've had so much success, but let's talk about some of the the challenges, failures, uh, and and you know how what we're doing to sort of fix those or have fixed. Hmm. I think. Okay. I've definitely had challenges and failures. They're just few and far between. Luckily. Good. I think the biggest roadblock. I had recently was more so with myself rather than my practice and like cleaning up certain systems. But my idea of money and I struggled once I started making a certain amount of money, I think I always had this deep rooted paranoia of like, okay, now we have to do it again. Like it's the first of February. Now we have to do it again. Like, Oh shit, it's going to be March. Now we have to do it again. Mm-hmm. And I I see this a lot with Natasia where she's very different than me in that she knows money is going to come in and she's more than happy to spend it and doesn't feel as like, should we think about this longer? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've had to do a lot of internal reflecting, growing, like investing in therapy and certain things to understand like, why do I view money like this? And how can I change this moving forward? Because as I grow and expand this business, like that cannot be something that's holding me back. This fear of investing in people or this fear of investing in, you know, what we need to expand. And I mean, I grew up, I grew up fine. We didn't, we 
we always had food on the table. But I watched my parents go through a bankruptcy when I was in high school. So the four years I was in high school, we were in a four-year bankruptcy. Mm. And right after that, my mom had um, a brain aneurysm rupture and she's alive. However, she's disabled now. And so it's like, I see, I want to like have nest eggs and I want to be prepared for the worst, but at the same time, I recognize how fragile life is. And so I have just been walking this really weird line of, I want to make money so I can do fun things. But then I'm like, but I don't want to spend all my money because I don't want to lose it the next month. So mm-hmm. um, I'm thankful it hasn't affected my practice and that I'm able to separate that when I'm with patients and when I am prescribing plans. Like I'm not someone who's then like, this is really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the value I'm providing, mm-hmm. but it's more so behind the scenes and like, what is my brain doing when I'm not with patients? Yeah, so. I think that's, that's, I mean, that's super insightful and I appreciate you sharing that. And I, I, I guarantee you we'll get some messages on, on that because um, I think that on the surface, you know, you've heard me say it before, but like, you know, when you raise your price, it's like, oh, you just say a different number. I'm aware mm-hmm. that that's true. And it's also not true because of the, how we grew up and how we said like Dan Kennedy, he always says, most of us learn about money from hearing our parents argue about it on the, on the steps of our, our bedroom, so to, so to speak. And so, um, mm-hmm. it is something that we have deep ingrained, uh, thing, uh, fears or, or problems or whatever with. And, um, I think the greatest tragedy is, is, you know, for you, and someone that is is as successful and will make as much money as I know you will make, but you never overcome the other side and it didn't matter in the first place. Cause you could add, I heard mm-hmm. someone say, if I had a million or 10 million, I'd still feel the same. And it's like, well, that's like tragic to hear, right? Cause then what the heck's the point? And so right. um, I think that it's, it's super insightful and having that level of self-awareness, even to recognize that there is something there that allows you the opportunity in the future to be able to make the money that you will make and then be able to enjoy it. And having that balance, so to speak of, yeah, I do need a nest egg and I need security. And also I can't save it all because you can't take it with us, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think I, I think I mentioned this on the mastermind the other day of knowing who you are. That's usually you're one or the other, right? You're either a spender or a saver, and I'm a saver. So you and I are, are kindred spirits, and so I'm in the same position of I don't want to worry about money, right? Which means that I always knew that I needed to make enough and figure out what enough meant. Like that's important. Mm-hmm. Like what enough meant, where. Like my, I, I've told this story with my wife. She bought new furniture for the house. And afterwards she said, you didn't even ask me what it costs. I said, because I made enough money where I don't want to worry about it. And I know I don't have to, but five or six, seven years ago, I would have had to, and we would have talked about it in the budget and all of that. But today I don't have to. And that was always the goal. Like the point of making the money is so that you don't have to worry. If I made the money and then I still had, was fought about it with my wife then now what the hell are we doing in the first place? And so mm-hmm. I think it's, it's understanding that it's that and it truly is the tool and the conduit and uh, to, to kind of have this conversation about it. I think there's a lot of people that, that, that need to hear it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And, and we've talked about it a lot in the, or maybe it's just what I take away from the mastermind calls. Um, I don't want my children growing up with the same feelings and thoughts that I had about money. And so I want to create, that change for my future generations and, and hope they can just be 
killer entrepreneurs too. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they like, maybe they like this, but maybe you do the opposite. And I think this is an interesting point too, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they have the opposite and they realize that I did grow up with a lot of stability and I really like that. And I might go get a job because I like the feeling of being stable because my parents created that environment. And so I don't need to go take the big risk and do all that. All I'm saying is what I want for my kids, I think we do, you just want them to have the choice and it comes from a place of strength, not a place of like, Mm -hmm. I need to go prove myself or I need to make money or I don't want to do it. It's just coming from a place that they have the choice from a, from a hot, from a good place. Yeah. I think what's interesting also, I don't know if you know this. When I was in school up until the very end, I wanted to work for somebody and I wanted to clock in and have a paycheck and go home and never think about my job again until I'm there the next day. And I was pretty much forced into it in that I was terminated from a PPR. So from a clinical rotation, um, for nothing bad, just, just (laughs) silly things. (laughs) It was silly. And then, my next PPR, which was the straight Kairos with, I spent the better part of a month can like trying to convince him, like, let me have one of your five rooms. I will still see patients like, but Tuesday, Thursday, like, let me just do rehab with the ones who need rehab. Mm-hmm. I was like trying to build what I wanted within another practice because I also wanted the stability of it. Mm-hmm. And he sat me down and he was like, Jenna, there are some people who work for other people and there are some people who need to work for themselves. And he's like, you're a horrible employee. You need to go work for yourself. (laughs) So I was like, all right, this is twice in a row that people don't want me to work for them. So I guess this is the route that I need to take. Yeah. You're sort of forced into it. I I went, I had a similar experience. I went for an interview. I ended up did associating for a while and it was great. Um, But I went on an interview and the guy looked at me and he goes, I can't hire you. I was like, why? He's uh, it's like, because you remind me of myself. And when I was in your position, I took a job. And in like six months, I left to do my own thing. And I'm not looking for that right now. I'm like, fair. I'm like, I'm okay. Like, I get it. And so yeah. it was like, yeah, he sort of saw it. And, and uh, it's funny, I interviewed JC before and his podcast, I don't know, might be out already, but he kind of mentions like, yeah, I was a little bit of a rebel at one point. And you're saying essentially a little bit of a rebel. And, but that's kind of sometimes as an entrepreneur, it's like, you, you can't fall in line. You have to think a little bit mm-hmm. different. You kind of have to, at some points, be a pain in the ass in order to kind of see the world a little bit differently, which for most people coming out of Cairo school is, is not the norm because they're used to falling in line and taking the test and doing the thing and boom, 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 boom. Then you get out and it's like, the only rules are there are no freaking rules outside of just don't be mm-hmm. legal and stupid. And, and honestly, being stupid sometimes is useful. So it is it's definitely a mindset shift for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, let me, let's go forward a little bit. And I know you guys have big plans. Um, you and your fiance as she is, um, you said a very successful acupuncturist. That was an understatement of the, of the century. Um, the longest yeah. <laughs> wait list in the history I've seen in, in the history of rehab Cairo coaching of anyone experienced. Um, she has the longest wait list I've ever seen. So good for her. Um, what are the plans yeah. going forward? What are you guys doing right now? And then, and, and what is this thing going to look like a year, two years, three years from now? Yeah, so we are combining our practices into one space that we can share. So we already have the lease. We're doing a little build out right now and getting that prepped for end of March, early April. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that, but as of now, that's what we're planning yeah. on. Um, so Natasia will have three private rooms to work out of. I'll have two private rooms so I can 
expand and hire somebody. We'll have a little gym build out that's perfect for rehab and a very cool, flexible lobby space. Part of living in Los Angeles, there's a bit of a different economy here. So brand pop-ups and these types of event rentals are really, really big and very frequent here. So Mm -hmm. we're building out this space in a way where we can host events and, and have additional revenue streams and exposure through these types of events. And a lot of our patients are networked in that um, industry. So we built it around that idea and we are going to be hiring soon. So any students listening to this, if you are nearby LA and you need clinical mentors of any kind, reach out, DM me. Give us, give us um, a little bit. I mean, if you're, are you actively in the process? How, how far out? It's, we're, we're recording this in February. When, when's mm-hmm. the ideal time that you want to hire? I'd like to start early Q4. Okay. Ideally so, hiring by end of year. Which means that you're going to want to start having those conversations probably now. And there are probably students in school that might be finishing up at that point. But give me a little bit mm-hmm. more into, I mean, you obviously had unbelievable success. And so for someone that is in school or um, is graduating and looking to be mentored and to be a, a fly on a wall of a mesic, mega successful two businesses separately, which are joining and coming together. Um, talk to me a little bit more and what your vision is. And again, you don't have it all set. This could change tomorrow. You, that's your, it's your business. You can do that. But well, how do you envision this going for someone to come in and, and, and work with you guys? Yeah. So obviously we're extremely busy with patients right now, but I find a lot of joy in teaching and leading. And I've had students pop in and out over the last few months, but I really want somebody who wants to learn more. And I know the education, like the rehab and the sports education is limited, especially because it's based off of your clinical rotations. So I want to create a space where someone can feel confident and comfortable asking questions, learning, understanding progressions, and just really owning their, their clinical skills. Um, So that's what I imagine be like, like dating phase to be. Give me, give me uh, for the for the clinicians or the students. Talk more about like some of the treatment model that you use, or like your overall philosophy and and how you mm-hmm. like to treat a patient. Yeah, so I, I like to say that I specialize in performance rehab. So this is the really fun part too about being a cash based practice is you aren't. I mean, you could if you want, but I don't get sedentary people. Um, I get adults who are athletic, who want to be training six days a week, who want to be doing competitions. And so my job is to help them perform better. So we help get them out of pain if they're in pain. And if they're not, we're fine tuning things and we're working like a a very high end strength and conditioning coach. If Uh that's, (laughs) I mean, I think that's appropriate and that's what it is, but we're able to look at it from a preventative standpoint, but also a, a management standpoint from when they are injured. So this is bridging that gap of the traditional physical therapy to being back performing a hundred percent, even 110% better than they were before. Yeah. I love it. And no, I think it's, it's okay to say the high level strength and conditioning and, and whatever we want to call it. I was like, you call it, purple Barney. I don't care what you call it. The reality <laughs> is uh, for the, I always say for our business and, and as a rehab Cairo, all we are is the perfect solution for our perfect patient. 
And for most mm-hmm. part, it's kind of selfish, to be honest, with most for most of us. It's just what we wish we we had, right? As a as an athlete, as a person that someone I could go to the doctor and like they could actually understand that I wanted to be able to do double unders, that I wanted to be able to go compete in this. And then they know what that means. And so not only can they view and see me from a clinical standpoint of, I understand the pain you're in, I understand the clinical diagnosis, and I can do the hands-on manipulation or soft tissue work or whatever that's going to kind of take us through that initial phase of care that Kairos can do. Um, but then beyond that, I can take that next step and really walk with you through knowing your injury history, knowing where you've come from, but I can be that person who understands the pain side, but then I can also push you to the next level so that when you go back into the clinic, or sorry, when you go back into the gym or the field or whatever, like this didn't have to be a disjointed process. It's not to say that the regular Cairo is wrong or bad or different, it's just not the same thing. And I would stand mm-hmm. on, on, on the rooftop screaming that if you want someone to help you do that, um, not only as a patient, but as a clinician, as a doctor. I mean, there's few people outside of not wanting to live in LA. There are a few places that I wouldn't, that I, that I would send them to other than you, because, you know, again, you figured this thing out and in really short order. And so if someone out there is a, is a student or a new grad or is kind of lost in their career and they believe in world-class business skills and world-class clinical skills. And again, uh, I say this often, but you're dumb not to reach out to Jenna because uh, she's, she is truly, truly, you are truly doing it. And, and it's something to be really proud of. So you, you've done amazing work. Um, let me, uh, but two more questions. The first one for people that are on the fence or hesitant about taking Cairo Biz 101, maybe they've listened to the content, listened to the podcast, but they're not sure if it's good for them. What is some advice that you might give to them? The sooner, the better. I waited a while before taking the course just because I felt really confident in my skills and I wanted to see how much I could grow it by myself. And I'm very competitive. So it was just a challenge. Mm-hmm. But since joining the group and being a part of the mastermind, which you get access to during Cairo Biz 101, you're good. It really fueled the athletic side of me in that I just got really competitive. I still shared all my secrets with everyone, but seeing what other people were doing, I was like, oh, come on, like I can do that. Let's go. So yeah. I think not only does it give you a great framework, but it kind of renews passion in you that maybe you lost. I mean, school is so, you know, nose down in textbooks, passing tests, but this brings like a whole fun side to it that I think everybody needs. We should be enjoying what we're doing and we should have fun kind of pushing the boundaries and seeing how big can we grow this thing? Yeah. Like across the U S how many people can we help with everyone? So I love that. And uh, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And before we end, I want to take a moment to express my appreciation, gratitude for you. Um, you know, you guys that I'm interviewing here, I would say you make me look good. And uh, I truly mean that you had a successful business and you would have been successful. You were successful with or without me or the group. Um, and so you should know that from a competitive standpoint, you didn't need anything here. I always say my job is hopefully to make it happen a little faster, give you some more insights that you weren't maybe thinking about, help you see beyond uh, what you're currently think your capacity is and what you want your life to be. And hopefully I can help be a conduit, but uh, under no circumstance should I take any credit for anything because you, you've truly done it and you have a fiance who's also doing it. You guys are truly uh, a power couple. I'm so excited for you guys to watch this thing 
bloom and grow because I have a feeling that you are just getting started. I think that um, you've only explored the surface a little bit because it's just you. But uh, obviously we talked about before that people are drawn to you and just if it's your patients, that also means it's going to be the people that employ that you employ and you're going to grow a team and they're going to learn from you as well. So if, if you thought what you did already was cool, uh, let's just look back a couple of years from now because it's going to be amazing. So I appreciate you tremendously. I think the world of you and um, I think that you're just getting started and you don't even understand how far you're actually going to go. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Before we wrap up, um, where can the audience, where can the students, where can they find you? I guess Instagram or however they want to reach out. Instagram is great at Dr. Jenna Lagana. Mm-hmm. Don't message two, me on two LinkedIn. Ends. I'm not on there. Two ends. Two ends. J- yeah. J- got it. J E N N A. Perfect. Got it. So find you on Instagram. That's where you're at. No LinkedIn. That's for old mm-hmm. people. Jenna, mm-hmm. I appreciate That's you very right. much. Thank you for doing <laughs> this, and uh, we will talk to you soon. All right, guys, we are at the end of the podcast and you know what that means. It is time for me to beg you, to plead you, to encourage you that if you are listening to this podcast and you are getting a lot of value out of it, just remember and think about what could you get if you actually let me coach you live and in person one-on-one in our group of mastermind members. So here's what I want you to do. If you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, getting a lot of value, but have not taken Kairobiz 101, I want you to go into the show notes. In the show notes, we have a link. It is go.rehabchirocoach.com slash strategy call. That is go.rehabchirocoach.com slash strategy call. I want you to book a strategy call with our team so that we can see if you are a good fit for Chirobiz 101 at our last count. We have gotten our clients 177, 177% growth from that program. So if you haven't taken our course and if you listen to the podcast and get value, I want you to book that call. I'll see you later.